0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com. mobilecom
1: Hey, this is Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. Freddie Simmons, and you're listening to the Jake Brown Radio Show.
2: And welcome to the Jake Brown Show on Radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and of course at Jake Brown Show and all social media platforms. Joining us now is a guy who's been in the industry for a while. He's on ESPN Radio. You catch him on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, nine PM to one AM, Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio national. Um, it's a guy I followed for a while on Twitter. Is a good follow and is a great radio personality. Freddie Coleman at Coleman ESPN on Twitter. Freddie, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Jake, man. appreciate you asking me. I can't wait to chop it up with you. And
2: how are you, my friend? I'm good. Um, the, the weather's warmed up here in New York. You're in Connecticut, so you know we had a nice 50 degrees over the weekend. F- felt like summer. I actually was, funny story, I wore shorts and flip-flops um, driving around going for a cruise, which I apparently I've learned cruise is like an old term we're using in the Midwest. I love saying going for a cruise. Um, but anyway... Yeah. It,
1: Even though I'm not a Midwestern person, I've always loved cruising, especially right? living up in the Hudson Valley and just taking in the sights and the scenery in upstate New York and New York. So believe me, cruise or going on a cruise, that is not a no statement, my
2: friend. Yeah, I mean, it was the girl I'm talking to, she said that. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to say cruise. And of course, my ass, I say cruise. I'm driving my friend's car, and I hit one of those classic Flushing Queens potholes and get a flat tire. Um, And I end up going to the junkyards next to City Field, which I'm sure you know, and getting a $40 tire surrounded by black cats everywhere. It felt like 1969 uh, Mets-Cubs before the World Series, and the black cats were coming out. It's a scary place out there.
1: There are plenty of people out there listening right now that are shaking their heads from side to side because they know exactly what you just said. Because anybody that has gone through those neighborhoods in that area, they have had a nasty and dangerous and losing encounter with potholes on the streets, no doubt about
2: that. Oh, yeah. I mean, immediately the light came on. I'm like, oh, well, that is not low tire pressure. That is flat. And my dad has taught me how to put on... A new tire. I mean, I'm 26, so I'm still fairly young, and it's still somewhat ex- excusable that I can't. I could do it, but part of me—not lazy, but I—I I, I don't want to f- screw it up, and I don't want to mess up the tire. So I gave a worker at the gas station 20 bucks to do it. End up going to the junkyards, paying 40 for another one, getting attacked by black cats. Oh man, that was—that's uh, what I get for shorts, flip flops, and calling it a cruise. I guess on a Saturday afternoon. Um, Look at it this way: it, as long as you have a chance to do
1: that, because You're right. 50-degree days in January in the Northeast, whether you live in New York or Connecticut or anywhere north of the Mason-Dixon line, you get days like that. You have to get out. And enjoy
2: those kind of days and those kind of moments. Oh, yeah. And I quickly regretted the shorts, though, when I'm waiting outside. It ended up being chillier than I expected. I definitely underestimated it with shorts and uh, flip flops. And I had a- it was cash only, of course, because it's the freaking junkyard next to City Field. So I had to go to the ATM, walk back. It was a nightmare. Uh, but, anyways, Freddie Coleman's joining us on the Jake Brown Show. We got a lot to get into. Uh, we'll start with the obvious. We'll talk about some radio stuff as well, but the Super Bowl, uh, Eagles, Patriots, uh, le- we got a hope. Freddie that Vikings fans aren't actually going to sign up to be Uber drivers and drive Eagles fans to wrong location because Uber will have a lawsuit that they cannot manage if that happens am I right? Oh there's no
1: doubt about that but you can clearly understand when it comes to Midwestern sensibilities and Midwestern courtesies for Vikings fans to go through that from Eagles fans and believe me what they went through on Sunday is pretty tame compared to some of the horror stories I've heard from fans of other teams that Mm -hmm. have gone to root for their teams in that stadium or in the city of Philadelphia. The Minnesota Vikings fans probably got off a little easy compared to fans of previous years, especially Cowboys fans, Giants fans, or Redskins fans. But I did see something today where a bunch of Eagles fans got together and are donating money to Mike Zimmer's foundation to make up for the clowns that put the Vikings fans through that on Sunday. But you're right. The last thing you want if you're an Uber driver for an Eagles fan who could be the typical Eagles fan, and they're already hot and bothered as it is, ready to support their football team. Mm -hmm. Do not give them another reason (laughs) to try to trash your city verbally verbally and physically if you can't avoid it. But I can clearly understand why people are taking up for fans who went through that Sunday in Philadelphia. That was completely crass and completely classless by those fans.
2: Yeah, and um, I mean, Eagles, here's what Philly gets, the rep, that it's a Passionate city, a great fan base, but they can get a little rowdy in a program. I mean, they took it a little far with their shenanigans on Sunday. Obviously, they're excited. They got to a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Everybody counted them out, they were freaking underdogs at home. Uh, as the number one seed so you understand why they're hyped it's been a while obviously uh, it'll be a rematch against the Patriots I mean you still with all that being said you have to be surprised that they're here I mean who would have thunk that Nick Foles would turn into like his former MVP self uh, in in the biggest game of his life Uh, the Eagles have to uh, surprise you a little bit Freddie
1: I think a big reason why that has happened, and that's not trying to slight Nick Foles or the underrated offensive line or their underrated, underrated play from their quarterback, but their coach, Doug Peterson, let everybody know, we don't care that Carson Wentz is not here. We can't do anything about that. Of course, we wish he was here, but he's not, but we still won 13 games in the regular season. We were not just a one-man gang. Granted, he was one of the leaders of that, but we were not just a one-man gang and that all we had was him. And I thought he did an outstanding job, especially from the second quarter on when it comes to Nick Foles. He put him in positions where what was going to be the best option that was going to ensure success. Because in the first quarter of that game against the Atlanta Falcons, it looked as if Nick Foles had not played quarterback before. But then he got into those RPOs, those run-pass options, make a quick read, get the ball off your hands, or hand the ball to the running back. That allowed him to get comfortable. But more importantly, it allowed the team to get comfortable and say, okay, we're going to be fine because now Nick Foles is playing well, and that's one less thing we have to worry about. Doug Peterson has done a fantastic job, not just coaching this team up, but letting everybody know that we are more than just one person—a quarterback, especially when that quarterback Carson Wentz is not here. Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit for what the Eagles did in the regular season and what they've done in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl about to face the Patriots.
2: On the other side, are we even shocked? The Patriots down twenty to ten, and they come back and beat the Jaguars and. I mean, it's it's through all the cheating and through everything that's gone on off the field, I think it's time that we have to, as much as some of us may hate the Patriots, we got to respect the dynasty that the Brady-Belichick era has become. And it, it's not even surprising because it's like they're automatic. Uh, and, of course, they're going to be favored in Minnesota over the Eagles. And, of course, uh, n- uh, more than f- – I know the line was like 53%. Uh, more than 60% of people I think are going to pick – the Patriots, but we can't even be surprised at this point. It's, it's just become robotic.
1: It's gotten to the point with this football team that we keep waiting for that day where we can look at Tom Brady and say, okay, finally, Father Time is going to win, but it seems that more and more and more he may be right about not just being in the National Football League when he's 45 years of age, but still being a starting elite quarterback in the National Football League, and just watching that game last week against Jacksonville, you clearly understand the arrogance of not only the Patriots but also their fan base because I guarantee you not one person was panicking on the sidelines, part of that Patriots football team, because just about every player on that team has in their mind, hey, guys, we were down 28-3 to 3 in the Super Bowl, and we were getting our butts kicked a lot worse than we gotten kicked right now by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We still got plenty of time. And when you have that in an organization, when you have that unshakable belief and faith that no matter what happens, You're going to find a way to get it done. You're able to still play free and loose. You don't get tight when things get tight. And we saw that with Jacksonville. When things got tight, they got tighter. When things got tighter in that situation with the Patriots, it seemed as if they played a lot looser, a lot easier, a lot freer. And that's because they've been through so much stuff on and off the field. And the off the field stuff, a lot of that was self-inflicted. There's no doubt about that when it comes to spygate or deflate gate. But they've never allowed that to stop that train it may have, it may have had, to, had to be delayed a little bit, but it never fully stopped to the point where they had to do something different. So that's why no one was surprised that they were able to find a way to get it done. And I know with jaguar fans were complaining about only one penalty called against the Patriots and six against their football team, and the referee allowed Miles Jack after he got the phone, he should have allowed him to get up and run. But they also had a chance on third and 18, and they could not get off the field. They also dialed it back when they were so creative offensively in the first half They got conservative in the second half. Mm -hmm. They can talk about that other stuff, but they were their own worst enemy because when things got tight, they didn't continue to play football. They were hoping that the clock would run out of the Patriots instead of them taking the game and keeping the Patriots from winning it.
2: Yeah, and I I agree. I mean, you know, things always go the Patriots' way, and I think we could agree that, yeah, they do get the benefit of a lot of calls, and a lot of people think that they're paying the referees every week because they do see some wild stuff. But to your point... The Jaguars had plenty of chances, that third and 18, that throw right down the middle of the field. I mean, they had a chance to break that up or, again, played way too conservatively. And that's that's the difference. Blake Bortles, everyone wants to say, oh, yeah, he's so good. I mean, this is the game where, you know, where he has a shine. And he shined for one half and not the second half. I mean, you got to play a whole four quarters. Um, you would have been a little shocked if, if the Jaguars came in at Foxborough and won that thing, right?
1: I think everybody would have been shocked, and I give Jackson a lot of credit that they went into that game believing they could win. They heard all the outside noise, but they didn't hear anything else in terms of themselves not saying that they were going to win that game. They believed they didn't have a puncher's chance. They believed they were going to be the better football team and win. And for three quarters, they were the better football team over the New England Patriots. You have to have that when you face the Patriots because you know, and to your point, Jake, you have to play the full 60 minutes. When you play the Pages, you got to think in terms of we got to play 65 minutes. Which mm-hmm. means we got to play five minutes longer than the New England Patriots because they're always going to believe that if there's enough time in the clock, then there's enough time for them that they're going to find a way to win. I think once Jackson went up by 10 points, I wonder how much of that team relaxed and said, we finally got them. All we got to do is put that stake through their heart. At that point, that stake should have been through their heart. Then you keep pushing that stake down into their body. Jackson did not do that. They allowed the Patriots to have a pulse and keep that pulse and find a way to win. It can't just be 60 minutes versus the Patriots. You have to train your mind and your body to say, we got to play 65 minutes through their 60, and only then can we believe we're going to beat
2: this football team. Freddie Coleman on the Jake Brown Show. Follow him on Twitter, at Coleman ESPN and catch him 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio uh, with Ian Fitzsimmons. Um, the Super Bowl, let's, let's break it down, Freddie. Patriots, Eagles, the rematch. Obviously, the backup in Foles against Brady, Uh, the Jay Ajayi, who has been, I'd say, very good since he's come to the Eagles, averaging around six yards a carry, Uh, has helped that run game along with Legarrette Blunt, trying to lead the way and not put too much pressure on Foles in the Eagles' defense, which forces turnovers and. They'll do the electric slide on you. You feel like you're at a bar mitzvah when they celebrate. Uh, they have fun, and they'll, they're they're boastful, but they back it up on defense. I think we're going into this, Freddie, with just not giving them a ton of respect as we did last week, especially against the Patriots, but I think they should be earning it uh, after that win. Break down the Super Bowl for me, and uh, if you will, uh, who do you think is going to win? I
1: think they've earned that respect, especially when – Let's think about the Pages and the great run that they've had in the 17 years that Brady and Belichick have been together. Even in their Super Bowl wins, they have not been able to run away and hide from people. Mm -hmm. They've had close wins over New England and Seattle and also last year calling it a comeback in overtime versus the Atlanta Falcons. As great as this run has been, we're not talking about a team in the Pages that were a dominant team along the lines of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s or the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s, or the San Francisco 49ers in the 80s, that when they got the Super Bowls, more often than not, they were able to dominate the teams that they were playing against. But it shows exactly that a team like that is always going to have close situations and they're going to find a way to win. I'm not surprised the spread is not further than seven points or five and a half points, depending on who you talk to, mainly because the NFL is such a parity league, and the Patriots have been the greatest example of taking advantage of that parity. Have they been great for a long time? Yes. Have they been a dominant team for a long time? The answer is no. Remember, they went nine years between winning Super Bowls. I'm not talking about a team that's won a Super Bowl every other year, but the fact that they're always contending. When you think about Super Bowl contenders, you have to think of doing the New England Patriots. That says a lot about them. That being said, the, the best thing you can find out if you're the Patriots, you have to wonder about the health and the availability of Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. and the fact that Bill Belichick got snippy with a reporter that asked about Gronkowski's status. That tells me that he's even concerned that he may not have Ron Gronkowski when they play in the Super Bowl versus Philadelphia. And as great as Tom Brady is, there's only so much you can do without that guy in your lineup because he creates one-on-one matchups, not only with the wide receivers that you can take advantage of, but also in the running game because you've got two guys, maybe even three guys, worried about Rob Gronkowski and what he's going to do. His availability is going to be key to find out exactly how New England will be able to attack the Philadelphia Eagles. And we know the Philadelphia Eagles' offense, with their running game, we saw how much success Leonard Fournette had early on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He wasn't ripping up big runs, but just up to keep that defense honest and allow Blake Bortles to have a clean pocket for the first three quarters. That is something that Philadelphia is going to have to need from Garrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi. If they don't get that, then that puts pressure on Nick Foles, and that means that Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator, and Bill Belichick will be able to play a lot of games up front and in the secondary to confuse him. That's why I still believe when it's all said and done, it'll be a close game. But I think the Patriots find a way to win this game by three points. Now, when next week rolls around, I may change my mind because I think that's the kind of close game we're potentially going to see. But right now, my mind is telling me the Patriots win this one. The Eagles will cover but the Patriots win it
2: by three points. Yeah, I think there's a couple things to tackle what you said. One, the line they're saying could get down to four, and, I mean, at first glance, I picked the Patriots, but as you said, these Super Bowls with them have always been close. It went to overtime, six-point win. uh, Last year against the Seahawks, a four-point win. Against the Giants, a four-point loss and a three-point loss. Um against the Eagles, a three-point win, against the Panthers, a three-point win, against the Rams, a three-point win. So they have never won by more than one possession in these Super Bowls with Tom Brady, uh, which is it might factor in a why the line is that way. Uh, it's going to be tight. On the Gronk front, you figure he'll play, but Brady has played in the Super Bowl without Gronk before. Obviously, Gronk's been battling injuries through his whole career but it feels like, Freddie, this year more than ever, they really need him down the middle of the field, especially without Julian Edelman. It just feels like they need Gronk this year against this Eagles defense, and they need that middle of the field. Brady needs that because as as decent as Dwayne Allen is, he is no Rob Gronkowski. So if there was ever a year that Brady needed Gronk, you think it's this time.
1: Especially when you mentioned Julian Edelman because Julian Edelman may not be Characterized as an elite wide receiver, but in that offense, he's an elite wide receiver. When they lost Rob Gronkowski last year, not only did Julian Edelman step up, but he stepped up and was big time. Anytime they needed a clutch reception, he was always the one in the middle of that, even before the great catch he made in the Super Bowl. When they lost Julian Edelman, they really struggled a little bit because they wondered if Brandon Cooks was going to step up, and he was inconsistent, but he's been coming along a lot better lately. Danny Amendola, for my money, was the best player in the fourth quarter for the mm-hmm. Patriots with the, his skills of punt return game and then the two touchdown passes that he caught in that fourth quarter to have the Patriots come back and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can he do it again against the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think that's a question we're going to find out in, in, in a lot early when that game happens. But you're right. if Rob Gronkowski is nowhere near. If he's not even 50% of Rob Gronkowski, then that not only puts a lot of pressure on the other wide receivers in a running game to step up, but now, where does Tom Brady go to the football? Who does he trust enough to say, okay, I don't have Gronk at full 100. I need to go to somebody else. Is it Amendola? Is it Cooks? Is it Hogan? Who is it going to be? So I think that's a big question. You understand exactly why Bill Belichick was snippy with that reporter when mm-hmm. they had the whole back and forth because he knows something. He's, not, he's never going to tell us how much he knows. But the fact that he got like that on a Wednesday – a week and a half before the Super Bowl, that told everything in spades how exactly he how much concern he has that Rob Gronkowski is not going to be there. And if he is there, he's going to be less than what we've seen from that guy so far in his Hall of
2: Fame career. And what makes the Patriots really so successful is the fact that, you know, Dwayne Allen didn't do much all year, but it was, it was a good signing when they got him. But now you look at the biggest game of the season, you might need him. And the biggest game of the season, you're going to need James Harrison. So these additions that the Patriots made that at the time looked like, all right, a little minor addition could turn out to be major in the biggest spotlight of the season. I'm leaning towards a three-point Patriots win. Again, I'm like you. I feel like I could switch that next weekend a lot with the injury report. If Gronk is fully healthy and ready, maybe they do cover and win by a touchdown. It's going to be intriguing, and I hope it's a good Super Bowl because coming in, we all wanted Vikings, Patriots. We wanted the home field aspect of it which definitely would have made things interesting definitely would have made it an extremely tight game having all those Vikings fans buy tickets um, but <laughs> but we, we got to show the Eagles some love and I'm a Jets and Giants fan of um, I like both. So for me, it's like I don't really like either team, but I kind I would love the Eagles. I would love the Eagles fans because I know they've been a struggling fan base, just used to so much losing. Just finally get that one ring, and that, then we'll, then Freddie will see the real celebration go down in Philly. We might see, um, I mean, big buildings get lit on fire. We people might die. I mean, it's going to get aggressive if they actually win a Super Bowl. Considering what happened when they just won the. NFL. NFC Championship?
1: Well, put it this way. When you got knuckleheads that have punched police horses in back-to-back <laughs> weeks, I can't even imagine what they're going to do if they actually win a Super Bowl, winning an NFL championship for the first time since 1960. But then you look at the other side, where Eagles fans will be out of their minds if they won. We've seen Boston fans become so spoiled because the Patriots have been that great. A lot of There are plenty of kids in Boston that have no idea how bad the Patriots stunk in the mm-hmm. 70s and the 80s and the early 90s before Bill Belichick got there, and they hit on Tom Brady, and they've been rolling in the NFL and rolling over the NFL ever since. So you have an interesting polar opposite when it comes to fan bases, where one fan base, I guarantee you they're expecting that they're going to win when it comes to the Boston fan base in New England. The other fan base is just hoping and praying that they're not going to get their hearts broken again this is the third time that this team has made a Super Bowl. The first time they made it, they got there. It was unbelievable, but then they lose the Oakland Raiders, who ran away and hit from them. The second time they get there, they have Donovan McNabb. Terrell Owens comes back. He was balled down in the fourth in the whole game, but yet they're not able to find a way to get past the New England Patriots the first time these two organizations met in the Super Bowl. So I'm sure I wonder how many Philadelphia Eagles fans don't have any fingernails wondering, is this going to be another heartbreak? Or is my team finally going to break through? Just seeing and hearing about those kind of emotions leading it to this game is going to be fascinating for me.
2: Yeah, and it's going, it's going. You're, you're right about the Patriots. I mean. I guess at 26, I'm kind of a millennial, but younger millennials and, and baby boomers, as my dad likes to call them, have only been used to the Patriots winning. And the Patriots have that that dumb Yankees logic where, where if they lose or they lose a big game, it's like, oh, we have 27. The Patriots, oh, we have Brady and we have five in the last 15 years, whatever it is. Uh, so they have that while the Eagles just have for them, this is it. This is the chance to finally get one. So, I mean, even it, what's interesting about this Super Bowl from me being a New Yorker is perspective is that there's giants fans rooting for the eagles there's some giants fans who are saying you know what, i hate the patriots enough i don't want to see them win again that i'd rather the eagles a division rival a team that's beat us up pretty good uh recently i'd rather see them win uh so i i think there's a good amount of people who are on the eagles aren't a national team like the patriots are they're not talked about nationally but i think a lot of people root for them because you want you want to see history, and how cool would it be, Freddie, to see a a NFL franchise that's been a, for, around for a while win its first title, and have the Houston Astros, uh, who won their first title uh, recently, all in the same year? I think that's that's a cool for us as as me, as media guys. It's a cool storyline.
1: It's funny because I'm a native New Yorker as well, mm-hmm. and the two teams that I root for the most that I've loved since I was a kid are the New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys. As huh. much as I can't stand the Patriots, as a Cowboys fan, it would be worse for me if the Eagles won the Super Bowl because I'm a big believer you mm-hmm. don't want one of your hated rivals to have a chance to break through and win. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm not rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles at all. If they win, it's not going to bother me, but I'm not openly rooting for that to happen. And I guess the reason the Patriots don't bother me as much is because my Jets organization has been a star-crossed organization ever since they won Super Bowl three with Joe Namath. Anytime we've seen this organization take a step forward, they get pushed two steps back or they Mm -hmm. push themselves two steps back. I'm never going to hate on a team like New England. Who, And let's be honest, nobody is their main rival in that division. It's the Patriots over here and everybody else over there. Mm -hmm. The same thing as when Tiger Woods was ruling the Roost in golf. There was Tiger Woods over there and everybody else over there. Once in a while, a team will battle them for a couple of years, but then they fall by the wayside, and then there's something else. But I've never rooted against them in a Super Bowl. But believe me, rooting for the Eagles or the Giants or the Redskins as a Cowboys fan, that is never going to happen. I'm just never going to do that because I know that the teams and the fan base of the teams in my division, in the NFC East, when the Cowboys get to another Super Bowl again, I know they're going to be rooting for the team against them. And that's shows exactly how passionate the rivalries are in the NFC East with all four of those
2: teams. Yeah, you're preaching the choir about the Jets. It's been miserable. and. For me, I mean, I've seen nothing. I mean, Chad Pennington and Vinny Testaverde are the highlight of my life which is sad because they didn't do much uh playoff appearance is is notable for the jets and you're right i mean you forget you only remember that the, these teams are in the same division as the pages because you play them twice a year it's it's the only time you're you're saying we're in first place is when you're one and zero and the patriots lost their first game it's like hey we're in first or or we're tied for first in week in week two week three and then once week five and six and uh, past that come along it's like all right we're already out of the race um, so it's it's a difficult ride. It's going to be interesting for New Yorkers, man. I mean, I, I'm rooting for the Eagles. I'm a Jets and Giants guy, but I just I, I want to see a new fresh blood. I'd I love to see. I like seeing history, and I like seeing the Cubs finally win for the first time in our life. I like seeing the Astros win, and I'd like to see the Eagles do it. But I I, I feel your pain. That is a tough uh, predicament to be in, and I could see why you will not root for the Eagles. Freddie Coleman joining us on the Jake Brown Show for a couple more minutes uh, to the NBA. Are you buying into the just the absolute, I mean, I guess, I don't know what to title it, but it's a soap opera in Cleveland right now. Are you buying into everything going on there? Do you think this team is is destined to lose now to the Celtics, or do you think this is just the, uh, the usual midseason swoon that they go through?
1: It's a midseason swoon, Jake, but it's not the typical one. It's not the usual one. And I was saying this. I've been saying this for the last month or so on my radio show. And plenty of people kept saying, I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. But in the last week or so, all of a sudden people started to come around to what I've been saying. This just felt different with this Cleveland Cavaliers team. They are a bad defensive team. They have been a bad defensive team since the beginning of the season. The reason that they were able to get away with the mid-January swoons for the longest time in the last three years was because they had a guy in LeBron James that was so great that he could mask any deficiencies that they had, whether it, was, whether it was chemistry in the locker room or defensive deficiencies, or whatever that was. He was always able to do that. Not saying he can't do it now, but I just wonder how much of in him wants to do it in what could be his final year in Cleveland. It's one thing to do that and have your legacy and trying to win a championship but knowing that we got to get the Golden State Warriors. But that has to be something that will mentally wear on a person that it seems that every time you turn around, something is happening or something you have to fix or something you've got to try to smooth over in that locker room. I just wonder how much of that is that he's not able to do that because now he has different personalities in that locker room that are strong personalities. And yes, I'm talking about Isaiah Thomas and I'm talking about Jay Crowder. Now, Dwayne Wade is not an issue to me because Dwayne Wade was only going to be what he was supposed to be. A guy that was going to give you anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes, and you have to hope that he was not going to be that defensive liability because of all the basketball miles, all that tread on his tire. But when you got Isaiah Thomas, according to reports, leading a charge against a guy that has sacrificed his ego, sacrificed his game to make the team better, and Kevin Love, and that's why LeBron James didn't want to talk about it, I wonder how much of that he's not working behind the scenes. That's why I felt this swoon in January was a lot different than the previous January swoons and the NBA long season that we saw from Cleveland. When Kevin Love is the focal point of what's wrong with Cleveland, and I'm thinking, well, he wasn't out there. You guys give him a buck 48 over the weekend. in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, you want to question if he should have been out there with the flu and he should not skip practice. There's a flu epidemic, Jake, in 49 out of 50 states. in this country. <laughs> the flu will affect you, and it will affect anybody. It's going to knock you for a loop. You're not superhuman if you're Isaiah Thomas or Jay Crow or anything else. But you're trying to circle that guy as the reason why you're a bad defensive team, why you have no chemistry, why you're not putting out maximum effort. When that guy's putting out maximum effort every time he's on the basketball court, they still, are, they still should be the favorites in the Eastern Conference because of LeBron James' greatness. But it's different because I wonder how much of him wants to do this again with this basketball team, and he doesn't have a Kyrie Irving that can help him like we saw in the previous three years, that he's been in Cleveland for the second time.
2: Yeah, and it's so crazy that mid-season, I mean, you're top three, top four in the East, and you're calling out one of your best players. I mean, everyone's getting... I ended 2017 with uh, with bronchitis followed by stomach virus back-to-back, um, and everyone I know is getting sick at some point. This is the weather changes and the temperature changes. People get sick. You have to imagine... It's going to come to a point, and they're getting close to trading for George Hill now, which makes you think, do they trust Isaiah Thomas? I mean, this team without Kyrie Irving has changed completely, it seems like. Um, you you think about that, but at this point, Freddie, you have to think they're going to move Kevin Love. It just seems like there's too much going on in the locker room, and his teammates don't like him that much. That I, I, I don't think he's going to last with the Cavs.
1: If I'm Kevin Love, I wouldn't want to be bothered with this team anymore because Anything they've asked him to do, he's been able to do, and he's been a big part of what he's been able to do, what the Cavaliers been able to do. I said it last night. It would have been. Great. I said it on Tuesday night. It would have been great if Kevin Love pulled a Kyrie Irving and said, "You know what? I'm done. Just trade me and get me the heck out of here because I don't want to be around these guys." And apparently, they've let everybody know they don't want me around. So why should I waste my time bawling out with them, knowing exactly how they feel about me? It would have been fantastic. If he had gone to the general manager and the owner, Dan Gilbert, and says, trade me, and I'm not going to play until you guys do trade by the February 8th trading deadline, that would have sent shockwaves if that had happened. I mean, Kevin Love, luckily for Cleveland, has too much class and too much professionalism about him to engage in those kind of histrionics like his teammates have done. So they should be very lucky that he's not going to be the kind of guy that wants to continue to have to wave making a stink in that locker room. But if I was in his shoes... And hearing that in that team meeting, and you have somebody who just showed up, who just got to play on your basketball team not even a month ago, who is a liability on defense, and has been a liability on defense despite his great offensive game that he has. And I say, Thomas, if that's the guy leading a charge against me, I'm thinking, you know what? I've done a lot more for this team than you probably ever will. If you don't want me around, fine. I'll go somewhere else where I know somebody else is going to appreciate me a lot better than guys in that locker room. Uh,
2: What I would have enjoyed even more – uh, Freddie's if Kevin Love posted a Instagram picture saying "just a kid from Santa Monica" hashtag strive for greatness, and then he said like uh, tonight I'll be part of the five thousand point club, and he posted a picture of himself when he was seven. <laughs> what did you think of that post uh from LeBron? He received a lot of heat from it. I mean, it, it it's LeBron loving LeBron, which we know it's a LeBron love fest usually. Uh, t- I give him credit. I mean, he's one of the greatest players ever. But, I mean, what was that all about, man?
1: It didn't bother me because it was put it this way with LeBron James, anything he does, people are going to scrutinize it and somebody is going to find fault with it. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, he is definitely one of the more thin skinned superstars that I can ever remember and not just the NBA. I'm talking about in any sport. But then again, I think a lot of us, I believe a lot of us would be that thin-skinned if everything we say or everything we do seems to be Armageddon for no apparent reason. I mean, the guy made a decision to leave his basketball team. He had the announcement. He raised money for the Westchester Boys and Girls Club, and people still look at it as one of the worst things that a human being could do in the history of the NBA. No matter what he says or what he does, somebody is going to take an issue with it. So if I know if I was in that situation – I'd probably be a lot more thin-skinned than LeBron James. It was something that, to me, that he put it out there that, hey, no one thought that I would get to this point of being in the NBA, the kind of circumstances that I had to grow up in as a kid, going from house to house, not knowing where your next meal or your mother's next paycheck was going to come from. To go from that to where he is now, the seventh player in NBA history and the youngest ever to score 30,000 points, he put it out on social media saying, hey, you know, Congratulations. That, to me, was not a problem because he knows exactly what he had to do to be the kind of player and person that he is. But he also knows, and he knew the minute he put that out, that people were going to find fault with it, but he was good putting it out and he was able to live with himself. I think it says a lot about him, but what does it say a lot about other people? That they were saying that this is one of the worst things that they've seen and this is an egomaniac. I'm thinking others have done a lot worse than that that have not gotten the criticism that LeBron James has gotten over his career.
2: The, the eye is definitely on him um, but I, I do love when players kind of uh, take subtle shots and when when poor Zingas posted yesterday just a kid from Latvia um, it, I, for me I enjoy I enjoy the pettiness uh, that that guy' show uh Freddie Coleman ESPN radio national catch him on 9 p.m to 1 am Freddie Fitzsimmons and follow him on Twitter at Coleman ESPN Freddie really enjoyed the convo uh, let's do it again soon appreciate you coming on My
1: pleasure, Jake. You have a good day, my friend. It was a pleasure,
2: my man. All right, Freddie. Take care. Good talking to
0: you. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too.